You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. I'm back, back in the New York Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and welcome back to the NFL regular season. It is our first episode of the regular season for 2022. Week one game preview time. It's Tennessee Titans hate week. What's going on, Cranky <laughs> Fan? I usually save my hate for the Tennessee Volunteers, but you know we'll we'll throw it out for the Titans this week. Uh, what is a is a Titan not just a giant? Uh, well, I mean I, I know in like Greek mythology, right? It's like an actual thing, but aren't they just giants? I mean, I'm guessing it's a Titan for a Titan rocket, and I know Tennessee had the nuclear facilities out by by Knoxville. I'm really reaching for that. So you I don't might know. be right. I have no idea why they are the Titans, especially since it's like a borrowed franchise name from the Jets, right? Right. Well, the Jets' original name was the Titans of New York. Right. Way back when. That's Which right. is, again, just the New York Giants, as far as I'm concerned. The Titans yeah. of New York, New York Giants. What's the hell? What is the difference? Ripoffs. <laughs> anyway, so so the Jets went from Titans to Jets, and then the Titans in Tennessee is relating to a rocket? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a weird name anyway. And I, I've always said from day one when they switched from the Tennessee Oilers that it's probably the worst uniform in the NFL. Oh, the logo and the colors. It's And, you know, what's annoying is that the Oilers had sick uniforms. Oh, they were the best. Uh, well, you know, that was the period. We were talking, what, late 90s? That's the period when I think was like the uh, the low point for NBA uniforms. Oh, yeah. Well, there was that was silly. like that time where, like, you couldn't – turn a uh, street corner without running into like two Charlotte Hornets jerseys. Yeah. Or hats. Everything was cartoony. Like the Toronto Raptors were awful. Oh yeah. Uh, baseball uniforms were awful. Remember the, uh, the California Anaheim A's uh, angels were, were terrible. The devil rays of course were awful. So it was just from a bad time. And you know, uniforms went from the cartoony to everybody doing the Nike look to now things are getting a little cleaner, but they still keep those stupid uniforms. So yeah, I they, think they have, doing, they have a pretty brutal logo too. It's just too I, many fucking colors, and I don't know. Well, they're they're trying to incorporate the flag of Tennessee with like cartoony space age stuff from 1963. It it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, not uh, a thing. That is probably my least favorite everything in the NFL as far as like uniforms, logos, even team name. Well, until the Commanders came along, man, <laughs> that franchise. Not to go totally off the wall, but like. <laughs> They they continue to just like look like a low effort. They they put out like a, a tweet today that was a bunch of like JPEG images of like their captains, um, and it 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 looked like a like a photo, and then they just like threw on text at the last second and uploaded it. It, it was just like there was like text in like the corners and shit. Like I don't know who designed this stuff. I mean, like, from this from the social media editor to the owner, that is just a disgusting embarrassing it, it, franchise it really is it really because it's not like they had to change their name over the course of a summer they had like three years and it was under attack for a decade before well, i was that. gonna say let's be honest i mean for 20 years somebody yeah. should have been in a room somewhere at fedex field in some dark room 
just writing down names. What if? <laughs> yeah. And All no, right. No, no, didn't think of it. Um, before we get to the more relevant news, yes, I shaved my face. I also shaved my head. We are ready for football season. Uh, I look oh, really? like a turtle right now, actually. You know, I can't see you. You know, no. normally I'm very thankful for that, but uh, now you should be extra thankful. So, what do you look like? Are you? I, like, I literally look like a turtle. I look like I'm slick as a otter. So you went full. <laughs> you went full shave. I didn't use a Bic razor, um, but I went on the lowest setting for both my beard and my head. This is amazing. And here's the thing, guys. Take a look at the two of us. Guess which one of these cousins are older? Oh, it's me. Brutal. Thanks Significantly so much. <laughs> and now he's going sans hair. Wow. Yeah, yeah well, there might be a, a surprise in it um, later in the year, perhaps around Halloween. But we'll see. What are you going to do? Are you going to dip your head in like an Easter egg and if make it blue? A, if it's a surprise, what good is it telling you now? <laughs> All right. The Giants are 5-0. and oh. <sighs> Going into my birthday weekend in October, I'm yeah. getting out the pause, and you're going to be dipping that. All right. <laughs> Deal. The year that that happens, I'll do it. <laughs> um, all right. So this year, big news. Before we get into the game itself, big news ahead of the game, Darius Slayton taking a pay cut. Darius Slayton has been um, the subject of many conversations, uh, I think among Giants fans, us, not so much. It's come up multiple times, but hasn't been a big sticking point. We, we really kind of laser focused on the guys that we felt needed to be here that had big contracts or, or something like that. Slayton was one of those things where it felt like you had options. And if you didn't, you could just cut him cause he's just had a couple of down years, but taking a pay cut, um, with a wide receiver room that is the, the, the top-end talent is hurt all the time, and then everything else is just middle talent. Getting him to be paid at the vet minimum, that seems like good GMing to me. What do you think? I think I think it's a combination of good GMing, and I think it's a combination of good agenting. I think we know what the market was out there for Darius Slayton. He's one of those guys where he's on your team, and you watch him all the time, and you perceive his value probably to be better than what the rest of the league thinks. And I think they did try to make a trade for him. I think there were no takers. And, you know, they probably said, listen, you know, you come back at the league minimum or you were cutting you. And he probably was like, yeah, all right. It's better than nothing because I don't know what his perceived value is around the league. And he, he took it and we'll see how long this lasts. I wonder if it's not that there were no takers, but because of his contract, the return was not in the interest of the Giants. But now that he's taken a pay cut, if he is, let's say it's week eight, Giants are, let's, they're either winning and guys are coming back from injury and are fully healthy, or they're really losing bad. Darius Slayton tradable now, midseason. Do you think anybody would want somebody like that if he's doing well? At the vet minimum, probably, right? I would say it'd have to be a lot of things, a lot of stars have to align. A, a team that's in contention, that has a rash of injuries, that needs somebody, and might give up a, a six-round pick for him, maybe, or I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see him all of a sudden as being this hot commodity because now he's making so little money. He still has to prove himself, too. So he has to show that he has value in the marketplace first, and again, he's a little buried on the depth chart as well. So a lot has to happen on our side for him to become marketable for them, him to go somewhere to a, a situation where it makes sense. 
Right. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I feel. Um, I think that this is a wise move. I, I agree with you that this is probably some good agenting as well. That you know that his market abil- marketability outside of this area was probably not what he thought it was. You know, whatever. But either way, this is good jamming because they really do need depth and. You know, for all his woes, he's not a bad wide receiver. It was really more a question of they need for, for two and a half million dollars. Is he that good? Like, I mean, is he that much head and shoulders above the other guys that cost almost nothing? Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of fair for both parties. I, I think I'm not sure who it was, but somebody broke it down as the bump in pay for Darius Slayton had to do with him outperforming in his rookie year and then he kind of whether it was between him the system or a combination of both the next two years he kind of just was the most whatever guy um because you know that that following year he was kind of the number one receiver and he's not that and then the year after that he just he flat out had a bad year and it, he, just, he was hurt a lot he, and he, he dropped passes yeah he, he flat the, out was that's not, not a good system last problem year. that's a yes. that's a him problem correct um and so it's kind of just scaling it back to what it kind of would be. Uh, I'm not sure who it was that said that. A lot of the uh, financial stuff goes over my head. But either way, I'm, I'm a big fan of this move. I don't think Darius Slayton goes anywhere. Do you think that his pay cut and his, I guess, uh, second lease on NFL life this year, uh, is there a chance that he sticks around next year, gets re-signed here? I doubt it. Okay. I, I, well, also, I, I think this deal makes more sense for the Giants. Forget him. It's that extra little bit of wiggle room that they're going to need that money because if you know somebody gets hurt and they have to sign someone off the street, they're so scraping against the cap still that that's the, the, the value of it is much more for you know that little extra money than worrying about him. I, I, I think it's just a he's here just for this year. I think, again, another draft comes. They pick up another guy somewhere. They pick up a, a fourth round pick, the wide receiver. That probably bumps him off the, the roster right there. I fully agree. I think his this is his time here, and this is his year to really um, prove himself to the rest of yeah. the league. Not remember, really to this coaching staff. Last week, when we did our kind of uh, our college preview for the weekend, we talked about wide receiver is a spot that you know we will be looking at because again, we're not sure about guys like Kenny Galladay. You know, we'll even be on this team next year. We can't be guaranteed sure that Kadarius Tony can be counted on every single week. So wide receiver is one of those things. It's not as a glaring of a need as some other positions on this team, but something that they're definitely going to address in the draft um, going forward. I think this, this staff might look at wide receivers in every single draft for probably the next three years. I mean, you think about it. Kenny Galladay is a contract they have to replace. Um the problem is is that like, if they want to keep Kenny Galladay in the roster, he's going to be performing so well that they're going to have a hard time lowering his cap hit. And you know, if he doesn't, then he, they need to then fill the void when they get rid of him. Kadarius right. Tony's another one that's kind of in this point, not now, but upcoming. If he has another injury-filled year where he barely sees the field, you have to start thinking about moving on. You have to start thinking about it. I know he's a sure. first-round pick. You have that rookie contract to do what you got to do, but you have to start factoring in that maybe this guy's not here for the long haul anymore. Sure. Two straight years of you know, So that stuff's adding up anyway. You add in the fact that there is nobody like Darius Slayton who's just a straight-line, stretching-the-field kind of guy. 
There's nobody behind him. There's no other guy like that. So they were going to have to replace him anyway. So the, the, I think that they're going to be looking at wide receivers every single year for a couple of years now anyway. So, yeah. It's the nature of the offense, too. Well, that, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, all right. That's the Darius Slayton thing. Overall, you feel good about the move? I mean, if you could, I could bring a guy like him back for the minimum, sure. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. They need <laughs> I help. Mean, it's, it's, it costs it's no nothing. risk. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very little risk thing. If it doesn't work out, if he, you know. Then they're just right back where they started. Exactly. And they're paying and, less. And they didn't just flat out cut him for nothing. So. Correct. Um, okay. So the Giants are traveling to Nashville on Sunday, September 11th. At 425, they will be playing the Tennessee Titans. Um, and so, because of that, we have our first official injury report. This is unfortunately being recorded on Wednesday. I am flying Thursday when we normally be doing this so that it would be fresh for Friday. So we have the first ever injury report for the year. Um, so it may not be fully accurate by Sunday, but that's okay because this is kind of like part of the thing, right? We got to talk about the four main guys here. They were all listed as limited today. Aziz Ojolari, Kevon Thibodeau, Sterling Shepard, Dane Belton. Those were the four guys. Belton, you and I, we don't feel too bad about not playing at all, right? Mm -hmm. To be honest, I don't know how he's in any way limited with a fractured collar. That's beside me, but whatever. <laughs> um, how do you feel about Shepard? The fact that he's even limited off coming off of such a late-year Achilles injury is pretty wild to me. It's pretty something. Um, to even talk about him in week one or even in September is pretty something. Uh it could be a possible smokescreen to put him on there, even though he's not really ready yet. Uh, but again, are we really worrying about him? I mean, this isn't uh, Terrell Owens or, or, or somebody that's like an elite, elite receiver that we have to think about game planning around Sterling Shepard. So um, I don't know. It's one of those guys when he's kind of out of sight, out of mind for me until I see him on the field. Oh, for this year, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not penciling. Sh First of all, I didn't think Shepard was coming back to this team. Once he was re-signed, I was like, well, I mean, is he even going to play at all? I don't know how this injury is. And even mm -hmm. if he did, I was thinking more middle of the year, like, oh, cool. Yeah. We might get a boost if we're already got a winning record at that point. That might help. Um, but even if he comes back, what, what kind of condition is he really going to Exactly, be? yeah. So <laughs> I think there is potentially something to what you said about this being a smokescreen. I, I don't know about that. I haven't heard yeah, anything I, saying that, like, I don't see him moving around a whole lot on the again, field. Again, it's but. not Odell Beckham. It's not, you know, it's not Jerry Rice where it's like, I have to reevaluate everything I'm doing because right, this guy yeah. might or might not be playing. It's, it's Sterling Shepard, who's still on this team. If he's healthy, what is he on this team? He's Why a chain mover, yes. Two? Uh, well, uh, right now, it depends. Right, if if he's in any way legitimately uh, active, um, September, let's say no injury. Let's say in a perfect world, he's right, right. Not Se injured. September, October, he's letting Wandell Robinson sit a little bit and have only a package of plays. I think mm -hmm. if if Shepard's not hurt, he's that guy in the slot role doing tons of stuff. And then for the more shifty things that maybe you need a special talent like Wandale, there's a small package of plays for him because Wandale still needs to learn to be a wide receiver. Right, he's he's really he. I don't want to say he's a gimmick player, but he has not had a lot of training at what he needs to be doing in the NFL. Not yet. Um, he's just a rare talent right now. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think he would be. Where he is, he's a chain mover. Sterling Shepard is a, he's not a real big yak guy the way Tony is, but he has elite, mm, not elite, he has very good separation 
Um, mm-hmm. Very good, good route, route running skills. Good route runner. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And knows, so he knows where the chains are and knows where the spot he needs to be. Absolutely. He's not. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to fall over every time like Steve Smith was for us. Where the, I think that guy just had jello legs. As soon as the ball was in his hands, he's just falling down no matter who was around him or what. But, like, Shepard will, will stay on his feet if he needs to. He doesn't jump, I don't think, really too much when he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, I, he's not like a massive open field threat, really, you know. And, I, you know, to be very honest, when we were doing our, uh, our salary you know, show back in February— we thought he was kind of a luxury to, to keep him. Yeah, I do. I, I I still think he's kind of a luxury. It's still wild yeah. to me he's even here. Yeah. Um, now these are the two big ones though. Aziz Ojolari has a calf injury. Kevon Thibodeau has an MCL sprain. I'm not. I mean, I don't think we're sure of the severity of any of these injuries for starters. But I really have no idea about Aziz's. It's scary, because you know we are. Desperately in need of a pass rush, and if our two best pass rushers are limited, if not out, you know, we're facing an offense that's going to be run heavy and pound the ball, pound the ball. When, but in obvious passing situations, you want to disrupt Steve Tannehill as much as you can. And if our two best weapons to you that are not there, that frightens me. So that's a major key of the game: is what what is their health going into the game. Yeah, and it sucks that we have to do this on Wednesday because that is such a huge key. You know, we were so stoked to get Kayvon, not because of who he is, but who he is and who he gets to play across from. Mm-hmm. Um, and pff, week yeah. one, that might not happen. Well, well, um, welcome to the New York Giants, Kayvon. Yeah. That's what happens to us. But that said, um, as of Wednesday, neither one did a whole lot. Going to keep checking on that throughout the week. Um I don't expect Kevon to play. I could see a potential for Aziz to play. Mainly because I have no idea how hurt that is. I don't know. I mean, again, they put those injury reports out there for gamblers. They're not put out there to be, uh, you know, statements of truth. I wouldn't trust them as far as I can really throw them. There's a lot of gamesmanship involved with those. Um, We'll just have to wait and see. I, I hope he's playing. I mean, God, I hope he's playing. But I, I really don't know. Like you, like you said, don't know. One guy I know for sure isn't playing is Titans edge rusher Harold Landry. Went mm. to IR, uh, I believe torn ACL. I don't know if it was contact or non-contact injury, but happened in practice, I want to say, like Thursday or Friday. It was like very recently. Was It was like last week. It was last week, yeah. That is a huge blow to the Titans. Um and it's a pretty big win for the Giants. So why don't you give me your thoughts on this game? What are you expecting? What uh, what what are you afraid of? What what do you think the Giants can do to to help themselves here? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are: it is week one of year one of a completely new coaching staff. <laughs> um. I expect this team to take some time to get its legs offensively and defensively. Uh, Daniel Jones played more than I thought he might in this preseason, but didn't play all that much, if we're going to be very honest. Didn't play all the third game, played about a quarter of the first. Um, You know, it's going to take some time, and especially on on the defense too. 
Um, my big fear, obviously, is uh, Derrick Henry running for 750 yards against us. Um, Famous Florida Gator Derrick Henry. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> the one that uh, Will Muschamp thought would be a better linebacker than running back. What, what town did he grow backyard. up? Hey, he's from he's from Uly, Florida. Was recruited by Will Muschamp, but he told him you probably better be a better linebacker than running back. He said, nah, I'll probably be a Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama and went to Bama. Where is Yulee, so, Florida? Yulee, Florida is in between Jacksonville and Gainesville. And if you want to get a speeding ticket, I advise you go to Yulee, Florida, because I guarantee <laughs> you, you will get one. It's the biggest speed trap in the country. They have parking tickets and Heisman Trophy winning running backs there. That's how I know you had a good Florida weekend. I just teased you really hard about Derrick Henry and you just went with it. That's okay. Okay. We're 12th ranked now. We're pretty good. <laughs> Check right, out guys. my show, the Cranky Fan Podcast on FL Teams. Uh, you can hear my thoughts on that game. But <laughs> uh, no, good, but getting back to this. Uh, right. Situation. Yeah. Sorry about that. No. My, my big fear is um, with a guy like Derrick Henry that there's going to be a lot of second and threes and second and twos for the defense as opposed to second and eights and nines. And um, it, you give Steve Tannehill some, you know, options on offense and we don't have a pass rush that is scary he's not a great quarterback but he's an efficient quarterback um they've lost a lot of their receivers from last year they don't have the threats they did but they're still an efficient team i i wish this game was later in the season um it's a tall task for this team to go on the road first game and win and i do not think they will i think they lose this game something in the order of 24-10. Wow, that's a brutal. That's a brutal score. It's a brutal score. Um, do you think it'll look worse than that score, or do you think it'll look better than that score? And why? I think. I think it's gonna not be as close even as the score. I, 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 I'm just afraid of this defense a little bit. I'm afraid that if they get gassed early by Henry and they're on the field a lot, if they, if they can. Mm. If the, my fear is Tennessee is just going to have a, an enormous time position in the first half. This defense gets really tired in the second half. And, um, you know, if this offense can't sustain anything, you know, if, if our offense, you know, three and outs, we don't get the, op, the uh, you know, the passing game isn't clicking. If we can't open up holes for Saquon Barkley, they're giving the ball right back to them. It's a, it's a worst-case scenario. I just don't think this is a very good matchup for us right now. Um, and, uh, not, uh, I'm not happy about this one. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing giant football, but I'm not having any high hopes for coming out with a week, a week one win. Yeah, I'm worried about this one. Let's stick with the Derrick Henry theme. Let's stick with the Tennessee offense theme. I'm more mm. worried about Ojolari and Thibodeau being out, less because of the pass rush, more because they are both good run defenders. That too. Both of them. And Derrick Henry does most of his damage running over guys that are smaller than him. Getting him out on the edge is a really efficient way to ensure that he'll break the first tackle. If you can get him out there past the edge rusher or defensive end or whatever you want to call him. If, he, if there's a corner or safety trying to tackle him one-on-one, it's almost guaranteed that he's going to break that tackle and start running up the sideline with a level of speed that you and I don't know. So... I'm worried about that because if neither of those guys are playing, then we might be looking at O'Shane Ziminis setting the edge. O'Shane Ziminis hasn't set an edge yet in his life. Um, There's a chance... 
that um, if both of those guys can't go, that they'll elevate uh, Quincy Roche from the practice squad, in which case I would feel a little bit better. I think he is pretty good at that, and I think Jihad Ward is going to be okay with that. I think about what you just said. Elevating a practice squad guy to go up against Derek. He's better. I, I am convinced I, I that he's better. That. But I understand that. But, I mean, just the thought of that just kind of keeps me up at night. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that he's on the practice squad and Ziminus is, is here is keeps me up at night. But <laughs> the fact is, the fact is, no matter what I think, no matter what the tape says, the coaching staff just doesn't seem to like Quincy Roche the same way they like O'Shane Ziminus. So even if he's elevated, he's still going to be playing second fiddle likely to Ziminus, and, and that scares the shit out of me. Because inside, I'm not too worried about what Derrick Henry can do. Yeah, I'm worried, but I, I like Dexter Lawrence, and I like Leonard Williams being the first guys to put a shoulder or an arm into him or something to just kind of get him off balance mm-hmm. or something. I don't mm-hmm. like... Anybody in the edge is doing that. That's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so that's my number one concern. You know, but I think there is something here. Uh, there is a chance for them to win, uh, and it's going to be difficult because it's going it, to, it makes me nervous because I haven't seen any of it yet. The Giants have kept a lot of their offense close to the vest. And I say that because what we did see in practice, what beat reporters were tweeting videos of in practice, and what you know, other people were tweeting videos of it practice. We didn't see in preseason games. It was super vanilla in, in preseason games. And every single offensive play in the training camp was something wild with crazy motion and, and mm-hmm. guys being used in different, you know, especially the first couple practices, they, they did strictly red zone shit and it was all wild. We didn't right. see any of that in the training camp uh, and in the preseason. Now, what... Well, <laughs> well, we got to okay. get to the red so, zone so, first. So here's here's the thing. Happening. Right, right. So here's the thing. If you don't want, like, they need to stop the run, right? Mm-hmm. They can't let Tennessee, a team with a meh quarterback, he's not bad, he's not great, he's just he's good. Let me ask you something real quick. But yeah, would you rather have Tannehill or Daniel Jones right now? Oh no, Tannehill. Uh, okay. but 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 he is not Tannehill is not the guy I'm afraid of on that team. Of course. Right. So they have a, an average quarterback and then like a even more meh group of wide receivers. They yes. cannot let Derrick Henry go down the field and score a touchdown in a six-minute, 85-play drive. Unless— 85-play drive? I mean, wow. I'm being crazy, but, but they can <laughs> as long as they can answer quickly. Okay? I know that that puts the defense on the field more— but if the defense can get a stop here and there against a, a team that's going to run the ball first and and the Giants can score quickly on offense, they're going to have to start throwing to keep up. They cannot sustain six-minute drive after six-minute drive to keep up with an offense that scores quickly. Now, will the Giants score quickly? Probably not. But there is a pathway for that. These corners for Tennessee, not very good. Roger McCreary, a guy I super liked in the draft, but he is 5'11", and he is a rookie, and this is his first ever game. And a 5'11 rookie might be going up against Kenny Galladay, who's like 6'4". Mm-hmm. Okay? That's number one. Christian Fulton. Do you know who that is? He's the other starting corner. Their backups, Lonnie Johnson, Elijah Molden, both groin injuries, did not practice this week. There is a chance for the Giants to score quickly and keep up with the Titans if they attack these corners. They cannot let the get let the safeties get too involved. So anytime that we see safeties helping out Roger McCreary or Christian Fulton, somebody underneath has to win. But what they can't do is what 
we've unfortunately seen a lot of this offense so far is continue to dump underneath. And the reason I say that is because Zach Cunningham and, and the linebackers and the front part of this defense, they're real good. So if we're going to be throwing to Saquon Barkley five yards, four yards, three yards beyond the line of scrimmage, that's probably where he's going to get tackled. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are really good linebackers. That'll work here and there. But they really do need to stretch and test these corners. I'm not afraid of Roger McCreary. I'm not afraid of him in his first game. Throw at him. He can't, if, if you had a one-on-one matchup between Roger McCreary and any of our starting three cor- uh, wide receivers, are you throwing at him? I would attack him. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, yeah. I like to attack with my strength, too. I mean, it's, you know... On paper, guys like Kenny Galladay, guys like Kadarius Tony are weapons. Yes. And, you know, there's not that many corners in the league where they're just such shutdown corners where I'm not throwing in their way because of the corner. Let them defend. Let them make the plays. Yeah. I, to me, I'm staying away from the heart of this defense. Uh, the fact that Harold Landry is out might give Daniel Jones enough time in the pocket you know, maybe the rush is only coming from the Bud Dupree side. He can roll away from that, keep his eyes downfield. I mean, Daniel Jones can run too, but it's going to be hard with guys like Zach Cunningham in the defense. They're mm-hmm. going to be able to chase him down. Uh, at least give him a run for his money if they can take a good angle. That being said, we haven't seen anything. This is the first time for this offense. A bunch of guys are hurt. I don't feel good about this game. But I think that Tennessee is pretty hurt, not really that great. I think the Giants, I don't want to say pull out all the stops, but they pull some crazy shit out of the playbook no one's expecting. I think we're going to see some wild plays. It's not going to be a clean game, but I do think it will be a fairly close game, and I think Tennessee wins something like 28-24. Let's just say I wouldn't have Tennessee as my survivor pick this week. Is that a fair assessment? I think Yeah, I think there is a pathway to victory, and I think part of the the – the fact that we spend a, a loser-ish amount of time <laughs> paying attention to the Giants and we're really not sure what they're going to do means Tennessee doesn't have any idea. I mean, they have to be fairly clueless as to what might be going on here. Um, and that definitely plays into the favor of the Giants. I mean, who, who's who could possibly be ready for everything? You know? True. And, and and I do like Mike Rabel. I like this Tennessee team. If I were, you know, I would I would love this team if I lived in that area. I would be a big fan of what they're doing, what they look like. Um, but that I said, think they, you know, I think for the for the talent they have, I think they overachieve. I think a lot of that's coaching. Yeah, I mean, sure. you you think about that the playoff game against the the Patriots. I I attribute a lot of that to coaching mm-hmm. and like game planning. You know, whatever. All right, so those are those our uh, predictions. Those are our predictions. Mine was a little bit more... Uh, a little more optimistic, yeah. but realistic. Mine yeah. is a little more pessimistic. But that's the thing. I think this could swing in any direction. This game could be sure. 56 nothing. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, again, everybody can't wait for week one of the NFL season so they can bet on every single game because they want to bet. But the reality is we don't know... We get it's to, like the get worst the week to bet on. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you got to get you know into the season and start seeing how things are going to develop. And everything we're talking about is really theoretical and you know our projections and our analysis, but it's not on tape. It's not happening. So that's why week one's always so exciting to me. It's like okay, all of this stuff we've been thinking about and scenarios. And well, here it is. You know, there's Evan Neal on, on right tackle. You know, there's hopefully Kayvon Thibodeau. 
you know, there's, let's see, Wondell Robinson. Let's see, you know, let's see Daniel Jones playing in his fifth year and playing for his survival in New York. And it's finally happening. So I'm, that's what I'm excited to see. And it's just, you know, again, we've said this a million times this year. We don't have many expectations for this season. This is the beginning of the rebuild, the beginning of the rebirth of the Giants. And we want to, you know, we're starting from the beginning. And uh, we'll take it week by week. Moving around the league, the NFC East crowned champions already, Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to— Oh, I thought they were Super Bowl crowned champions already. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. uh, They're traveling to Detroit to face the Hard Knocks Dan Campbell Lions— uh, I have this as Philly all the way. You know, this last week, there's been a lot of that, uh, hey, is Detroit a playoff team type of thing? No. Philly wins handily. Tampa Bay goes to Dallas. I have this as Tampa. Dallas without um, Tyron Smith and, you know, Jason Peters on the practice squad. Yeah. I think Jason Peters can probably do a pretty good job for them this year, certainly better than what they have going on. But week one, new team, new everything, I'm I'm going Tampa Bay and Tom Brady here. Can I make a very bold statement? No, that this is this is a no-bold show. You can clip this one, and I can look like a big jackass in a few months, but can I make a bold prediction that neither of these teams make the playoffs? I would like that. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. That would be wild. So who the hell is winning the NFC South? Atlanta? You know, there's a lot of talk, and I can't believe it either, but... You're going to say New Orleans, aren't you? Yeah. Again, <laughs> I have to see that to believe it. But um, who is well, the quarterback there right now? It's Jameis. Is it still Jameis? Yeah. All right. I, I just... I just have a hard time wrapping around my head that a 45-year-old quarterback who decided to take two weeks off in the middle of training camp has his head and or his body holding up for an entire season. I do. And if there's no Tom Brady, that team is incredibly average. Oh, but they have Florida Gate great uh, Kyle Trask there, no? He's their third-string quarterback. He'll probably be inactive most of the season. Um, yeah, also, does Tom Brady look more and more like Kevin Bacon every year as he does more work <laughs> to his face? That's not diet, right? Like, he's really getting work done, yeah? You know what he looks like? You know, in Fox, like when you watch a game on Fox and the guy gets a touchdown, they show, like, that kind of artist sketch of the guy? <laughs> yes. That's what his face looks like right now. Like, if he just he walks around. I, I just, you know, every year there's a team like Cincinnati who comes out of nowhere it's in the Super Bowl. Every year there's a team that people are very, very high on, and it just kind of wither and die. And I just think that it's Tampa Bay this year. I, I just don't believe – everybody's so quick to pencil in Tom Brady as you know, top five for MVP voting. The guy's 45 years old. The guy retired and came back. Took a two-week sabbatical during training camp and came back. You can't tell me this is the same Tom Brady mentally that you know was playing – Four years ago, let alone 15 years ago. I just don't – I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that. They, they have offensive line issues. I, I don't know. Just don't see it. And, and, and Dallas, we've already just talked about Dallas. Um, well, I mean, Dallas' line. season could be totally tanked just from Tyron Smith being out. He exactly. really might be 
is he the best player on that offense maybe am i forgetting someone i mean it's really a uh, a toss-up between him, Dak, and Elliot. CC Lamb. CD Lamb. Uh, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. It, there's, but here's what's wild about your prediction. Who then is the NFC quarterback? That I mean, like who? Which NFC quarterbacks are in the playoffs? I mean, those are the two best ones the NFC has to offer besides Aaron Rodgers. Well, right. So well, that'd be Rodgers. Who would win the West? I guess Stafford and the Rams. Stafford. I guess I mean, you have to have a, a wild card from some other. The well, if we're, if we're having Hertz, we're having uh, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not making the playoffs. Uh, uh, Jameis, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Stafford, maybe Kyler Murray. What about Goff? I mean, if 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 they're all of a sudden just had Detroit's... him losing, to, uh, I guess yeah. I, mean, I would say Kirk Cousins and the Vikings maybe before that. Yeah, I don't know be. the full state of the Vikings, but Cousins has this weird way of just. I could see him sneaking into a wild card. Maybe I don't know the full story of that team though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a bold. That is a hugely bold take. I will clip that and. I mean, I'm not because going if to you. Pick. But if you are right, that is going to make you look like a damn genius because it is September seventh. I just. I, I just see those two teams as, you know, just purely on reputation and purely in what's been happening in the last couple of years. I'm not sold on either of them. Dallas, to me, seems like a team that, you know, we don't like Kevin McCarthy as a coach. Kevin McCarthy. Or Mike McCarthy, either. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy. I went to high school with Kevin McCarthy. Oh, Shout say. out to Eastlake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you are, Kevin. Last time I saw you, we were bussing tables together. At, Kevin, uh... Mike, Paul. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's McCartney. I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, Melissa McCartney, who knows? <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I, I just th- – there's just so many question marks that people are just kind of overlooking both of those teams that if things break the wrong way for them, may not – will could not be in the playoffs. So let's just uh, – you know, again, I could look like a complete idiot. Those two could be playing in the NFC Championship game in January. In that case, you know, you'll be probably finding another host, but – that's my bold prediction. That is that is bold as hell, but you will always be the co-host of this show. Um, <laughs> Jacksonville, Washington. You got a bold one for this because I'm going – you know, Jacksonville went out and they, they signed a bunch of names. It, it kind of felt like they had an offseason that was just like a fantasy draft. But um, I still don't – first of all, I want to say that Trevor Lawrence is like a good quarterback, but I have – do I have anything to base that on in the NFL? Am I, is there something I haven't watched? Well, from I would say if we say Daniel Jones was never given a fair opportunity to succeed, I would say Trevor Lawrence had even less of an opportunity last year to succeed. The, the Urban Meyer ex- experiment was so horrible, so brutal, that it's amazing he has me going to therapy six days a week. I know that you hate him. Um, that's, but... not hy- that's not hyper hyperbole that's the truth no yeah i know i I, yeah Yeah. but it's just i never would have expected it would have went that poorly you know i guess i didn't pay as much attention as i the guy's an interesting cat i mean when he was at florida the final two years he was there you know the 2009 season after the national championship when they lost to bama and that 2010 where he retired because of health issues came back and said he was going to be a part-time coach and you know didn't even recruit and then you know wanted to spend time with the family to only go to espn and 
You know, he was, you know, goes to Ohio State a year they're on probation, but had a stacked roster anyway, and won with a lot of players that weren't his recruits. And then the whole thing with the uh, the assistant coach, and he is, and I said this back in 2006 that he is just a walking soap opera, and a guy that's maniac, maniacal about winning. That you know, if he loses, he goes insane. He lost one game in 2009, and he almost had a heart attack and had all these drama with him. So going to one of the worst teams in the NFL, this was not surprising that he would just, you know, be insane. And, you know, uh, always had an ego. So him, like, going off the thing with the lap dancing stuff, that's not surprising that he would go off and do That's his the own thing, thing that blows my mind, not leaving with the team and staying in Ohio and getting lap dances. Like, I... Well, forget the lap dance part. Just the fact that, you know, he, he's so arrogant that— He didn't leave with the fucking team. I mean, you see this with a lot of coaches in college who think they, you know, don't think the NFL is that much different to what their work schedule is like in college. And it is exponentially a harder job, which takes more hours. It I is mean, an all-year affair. My lord and savior, Steve Spurrier, I mean, when he went to Washington, he thought it wouldn't be that much of a challenge. And he lasted, what, not even three years? He's like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Too much work. And he quit. Yeah. So, you know. It's not the same, you know. We've seen, we've seen some coaches in college, guys like Jimmy Johnson, be successful, but we've seen a lot of coaches come over and fail miserably. Well, Urban Meyer may not be in Jacksonville, but neither is a W. I'm going with Washington on this with the uh, Commanders. I, I I'm not a big believer in them. I'm not a big believer in Carson Wentz. I just I don't know how I'm supposed to say that this Jacksonville team can win anything. Uh, I, you know. I just I, they got a they got a better quarterback. I'm they, picking Jacksonville in the upset. This one is definitely the hardest one to pick. Um, I really was just going with Washington here because there's just massive gaps on the Jaguar roster at, at certain positions. Um, but it, this one I could see going the other way, and it, it also could be a blowout in either direction. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be, because because I mean Doug Peterson, we like to make fun of him, whatever, but he's not like a total dimwit. Um, he's just you know. I don't really know what this Ron Rivera Washington team is. I really was more afraid of him being the head coach that took over that franchise a couple of years ago than what really turned out to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I was like, I, I was bummed. I was like, ah, oh, shit, this team's going to be good now. We don't have to worry about them. If this was week six, I would say Washington. I think with week one and you know teams figuring each other out and figuring themselves out, that's why I'm another reason I'm going with the upset. All right, I got you. I have nothing else for this episode. You got anything else? Uh, nothing. I'm just ready for this season to start. Big, uh, big weekend. I'm gonna go be scouting once again. Future New York Giants superstar quarterback Anthony Richardson down in Florida. Thank God. Uh, yeah, uh, big game this weekend. Uh, Florida's playing Kentucky, so uh, Will Levis, uh, their quarterback, is gonna be probably a top ten pick as well. Although I, we'll see, we'll see. I suspect he's overrated. I saw that game last year against Florida, and I was not too impressed. But this time I'll actually see him in person. So I'm going to see potentially two top-10 quarterbacks playing this weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. And then um, and then we get Sunday, we got the game. We got the Giant game. So uh, big weekend. I will be in North and South Carolina on a mini vacation, my last non-football vacation of the year. Um 
and uh, I will be watching this game while in North Carolina, but I will be in South Carolina on Saturday, and uh, you know I will be just as interested in that Florida Kentucky game. I'll also be watching Stanford USC uh, later on in the day. I think right when's the Kentucky Florida game? What time? Ooh, that's seven o'clock ESPN. Ah uh, it, shit, it's gonna be on. At both games will be on at the same yeah, time. Yeah, see, we'll it, figure that out. Like we started last week, our little um, college preview, little mini shows, but uh, because of our travel schedules, it's me. Week, it's my fault. I'll, I'll yeah, take it. It's, it's your fault for yeah. sure. Um, but so we're we're gonna probably have to some sort of modified version of that this week. But we'll be back full guns next week for sure. Yeah, and again, it's still early in the college season, so the matchup. It's not like there was a ton of games that we're not gonna be talking about. There was literally like those two. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one or two other ones that we could kind of talk about, but that's all we've got for this one. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. You know, this episode is a little bit earlier than it will be in the future, but all updates and whatever, especially now, since we don't really know anything at all, Twitter at football underscore grump over here at the cranky fan over there. He's also doing FL teams stuff on YouTube. All Anthony Richardson, Florida Gator <laughs> stuff is there. Trust it's me. It's 24 seven Anthony Richardson. That's, <laughs> I that's mean, it might be. <laughs> um, uh, other thing though, I, I was on the, uh, oh, yes, yes, unofficial yes. Please, Titans. please, please, please plug this. I was very upset. I couldn't go on this. Yes. I was on the unofficial Titans podcast today. Uh, Really good. Uh, we talked for about 20 minutes about the uh, the upcoming uh, Giants-Titans game. Um, really good guys over there. Uh, give them a listen. Uh, it is on the 440 Sports Network. Uh, just search on you know wherever you get your podcast. They don't do a YouTube version. It's just a podcast. It's called the Unofficial Titans Podcast, episode 114. I'm on there at about the 29 minute mark, and uh, you know pumping the pumping the Giants up. My honest assessments of you know, the off-season, State of the Giants, what I think about the matchup coming up. So give that a listen and give those guys a follow. They're, they're good guys. Yes, that is actually a very, very entertaining show. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We will see you for the post-game show. Go Giants! Go Giants! <laughs>